zooming in and out. I like that. I need to get a cool, cool thing that can do that. <laughs> that was, was that blue steel I saw? That was right. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. I got, man, you just dialed that in like a boss. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to go live in, in five, four, three, two, and one. Hey, good morning, Facebook. It is your host, Brigham Blackham. I have a very special guest on our Leveling Up podcast, Dr. Greg Kimball, my coach, my mentor, the million-dollar marketer, someone that really understands how to not just help people, but help people help themselves. And he's one of the best of the best at equipping people uh, to, to live into who they're supposed to be. And I'm really grateful to have him on today and to have a few other uh, wonderful guests on as well. Thank you for, for tuning in today. Guys, if if you are, are ready to go the final percent, you're in the right place. Because uh, we have the owner of the final percent here with us, Dr. Greg Kimball. So Greg, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into this personal development coaching space? And tell us uh, your, your origin story. Okay, so my origin story... You know, it really it really goes back to music. Uh, I'm a musician is, is is a huge passion of mine. And so I've always wanted to do something in music. And of course, I, I had the the normal dream of looking up on on stage, a Grammy stage or whatever the, the stage is. And I wanted to be that guy and I wanted to to sing and I wanted to to entertain and, you know, I, I recently went through this with a couple of my clients because um, it was an epiphany for me. But you know how you hindsight's always 20-20. Yeah. And so uh, I remember one of my early producers telling me, I'm like, how come I can sing my tail off? I'm I'm so good at singing, but I'm not getting picked up. I'm not I'm not moving forward. How how can I do this? How How can I take that next step? And it was so interesting because he looks at me and he goes, well, dude, you need better songs. Like you just, you need to do better music. And I'm like, have you heard me sing? Like a, a little pretentious, honestly. <laughs> and he's like, that's great. You you have on a scale from one to 10, you've got like a 13 talent in singing, but on a scale from one to 10, you've got like a two talent in songwriting. Mm. So until you find someone who their talent is a 13 on songwriting, and then you pair those together you're not going to go anywhere and mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me until i i started looking into this personal growth side of things because whether you're in business you're chasing your dreams you're following your dreams we're always in this scenario of you have to be before you can do you have to do before you can have and that was always really interesting to me but what i noticed is most people are actually playing in the wrong area so for instance if you are doing the same things and you are getting the same results and you just think that you have to do more or do with more intensity or do longer and you're still getting those same results, chances are you have to be more. Mm. So you're not as efficient with your doing as you need to be. So you have to do better. That's just the way it is. The only way to do better is to be better. But then you have the flip side of it. You have you know, personal growth junkies, if you will. And all they're doing is becoming more. They never do anything. They, they're they always becoming and talking and becoming and talking. I'm just like, yeah, but what did you do? So if you're doing these things and you're not getting the results you want, you got to focus on becoming more. Right. But if you've been 
becoming for a really long time, but you're scared to take action, chances are you're going to have this exponential growth when you finally take that chance on yourself. And that happened to me when I started my personal growth company in Casper, Wyoming. And I, my lawyer at the time, he called me, he goes, dude, do you want to go see this celestial event of a lifetime? Are you, are you down to do this? And I'm like, heck, who wouldn't be down to do that? Let's, and I'm, I was born in Wyoming. Of course I want to come there. And so we go there and he's got his kiddo. Kayla and I are trying. So I get to see this wonderful family with his kid. And we're on the side of the road. But here's what happens. I'm the eccentric entrepreneur. I'm the eccentric musician. I want things to happen like this. Like, like how 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 can I see the eclipse? I'm sitting down and and you just wait. And then you wait. And then you wait. And then you wait. And then you wait and you're just like, man, who? no one told me that I was going to have to sit here and watch Pac-Man in the sky. And then my, I'm so impatient. I keep taking off my glasses, trying to see the actual eclipse happen. And it just never works because when NASA says, don't look at the sun, they're not kidding. Like those photons (laughs) entering your eyes, like it's not supposed to go down like that. And so I saw the like little, like the, the sliver of the sun and I'm like, surely I can see it now. I take off those, those, you know, the 25 cent glasses and I look, no, with 1% of the sun showing, you still can't look at it. It's the sun. And so when it finally happens, I take my glasses off. I look at this floating orb in the sky and I'm going, I'm, I'm in the midst of magic, something Something celestial is happening. And, and, and this is this is this is crazy. I'm um the, the temperature dropped by like 20, 30 degrees. It looked like it was, you know, 360 degrees. If Owen's watching, not 180 degrees, 360 degrees around you. 360 degrees around you look like the sun just set everywhere. And I'm going, man, I'm in the middle of magic. All the 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 wildlife and the birds, everything just dead silent. And I'm going, wow. But the thing about the totality is you had to move. You had to get into the proximity because it was only about a two mile wide thing that moved across the country. And so I went back to Denver that had 98, 99% coverage. And I would ask people, did you look at the eclipse? Did you figure this, this eclipse thing out? And they're like, yeah, it was amazing. I'm like, oh, you went to Casper. You watched it happen. They're like, no, 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 no. We just stayed in Denver and that was good enough. And that's when I realized we were in the good enough culture because I remembered what it was like with 1% of the sun showing. I couldn't take off the glasses. So they had no idea what I was talking about. And that's when I realized that 1% was literally the difference between night and day. And so I started asking myself, we're taught that 90%, 95%, 98% is good enough. 98% is an A+. Why would you go the final percent? So we're taught not to go that final percent. And so I, I started asking myself, what if I go the final percent in my learning? What if I go the final percent in my commitment to my friendships? What if I go the final percent in the way that I run my business? What if I go the final percent in the way that I do my fitness? Is that same exponential shift present if I start going the final percent in other areas of my life? And the answer was yes. And just to be clear, a lot of people think that the final percent is about perfection. No, sometimes 100%, the final percent of what you have one day is only 40% of what you have another day. Just give it everything. Don't leave anything on the table. 
it's not about perfection. It's about getting everything out that you have that day. And when you do that and you have that tenacity and that belief and that knowing of what's possible in your life, you're going to start manifesting greatness. And I've been ever since 2017, I've been running this company now and watching this idea of the final percent help people in business, help people in their personal mindset, help people in their vitality, help people in the connections to create communities that have have never been possible before, but they're finally showing up to the final percent. And it's just watching just absolute unlocks and light bulbs go off through so many people because it's so much more than just me. We have an incredible community. We've got doctors and lawyers and billionaires, a part of our crew. And I believe in a village and, and, you know, I'll, I'll give the floor back to you after this. I don't believe in a tribalist mentality because tribalist gets very militaristic and it is, this is the way, this is the only way to get whatever it is. This, this is it. I believe in the village approach. That means that someone can be working on their first house or their third jet. And those people can be friends. Hmm. And you can have different objectives. You can have this inclusive approach to what happiness not just means to me. What happiness means to me is going to be different than you. And what I want to do is support how you can be happy. And then in turn, you support how I can be happy. And it's really a beautiful thing that we have have going. But it's all about going the final percent with each other and for each other. I love that. That was a fantastic answer. Because you you. know the final percent in your answers too. Yeah, man, come on. (laughs) Now, uh, one of the reasons that uh, I want to bring you on this podcast is because you have an electric personality, but you know how to distill principles into very bite-sized, manageable, actionable things. So we're going to actually play with some ideas here uh, about the the deeper meaning behind purple. And I bring this up because anytime I think of purple, I think of Greg. how did you you go on make sure that every time i see a purple anything it's like oh there's the final percent there's greg and we're gonna really dive into that because it's it's a process of becoming and i think that will align exactly with what i'm trying to do here with leveling up the podcast so i'm actually gonna share my screen and we're gonna start with how did you first come up with, with this idea of purple right this idea of i'm going to brand myself as someone that always okay so and, and all those <laughs> so this is this, this is fantastic okay so it actually came from a few different sources so i've always loved purple mm. uh it's my mother's favorite color um it has become my favorite color um it uh my grandmother's name was violet yeah. i am an absolutely massive prince fan Oof. but when i was branding the company I was thinking, cause you know, my other company, when I, when I had started my colleges, my other company was blue. And then I, I, I really liked the color red, but then I realized, okay, well, we've got so much unification in the country. I don't know if I want to align with blue or red. So I was just like, <laughs> what if we smash blue and red together? I want to be inclusive. We're purple. So it's hilarious because the guy on this side of me is as Republican as you can be. Like, like he is the, if you look up Republican in the dictionary, it's a picture of John Griffin. And I love him. He's a fantastic person. 
On the other side, we've got one of the ex-executives of Google, and his name is Tehran. Fantastic person. But he, if you look up Democrat, it, it's a picture of him. And so check this out. We're in the middle. So I'm like, okay, we're still purple. <laughs> so yeah. I wanted it to be inclusive, but I still wanted it to be something that most specifically men just didn't want to wear. So I, I got my golf club, my golf grips purple. My shirts are purple. My shoes are purple. A lot of my pants are purple. My shirts are purple. And so the first thing that happens is everyone goes, well, did you go to TCU? No. Oh, did, did you go to Washington? No. Well, what's up with the purple? So when I said that, when I when I just totally dove in and you can see all the, 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 the acoustic foam in my studio is purple. Right. And so when people started asking me, hey, what's up with the purple? It's an immediate conversation starter. Yeah. So now I'm saying, hey, I'm an executive coach. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a consultant. I'm a sales trainer. I do all of these things and I'm playing golf. So everyone owns businesses. I'll, get, I'll give you guys a networking hack right now. If you guys want to meet the absolute best people that you possibly can on a golf course, play golf at noon on a Tuesday. Because I don't know if you know this, golf is not an inexpensive sport to play. So usually people who don't have a job are going to be playing golf. And the only people playing golf at 12 o'clock on a Tuesday or a Wednesday are going to be the executives who don't want to deal with everyone else that's on the course in normal times. So you're going to meet people like I remember the first time I did this and the guy had just sold a company for $2.4 billion dollars. And he ended up a client of mine, but that, and it was just me and him for five hours talking about business. Wow. So you got to get in the proximity, just like I had to move my butt and get over to Cas Casper to experience the eclipse that spawned an entire company. I had to move to do that. Well, I had to move and get around. So you have to move to get around the proximity of powerful people and helping and, and helping connect yourself into how these people think. And that was the biggest thing for me is I needed to change the way I was thinking. So I really had to get around the right people who challenged me because we're not working this hard to stay the same. I want people who challenge me to make me a better person. My wife is a great example of this. My wife is the smartest, best human being I've ever met. And she challenges me on a daily basis to be better. And I just want to live up to who, who she she wanted to marry every single day. I just want to get better. And so that. that's about purple. It's just a conversation starter. Let's get into this conversation. You're and one conversation away from changing your whole life. So there's the origin of purple. And we're going to dive deeper into some principles that you can actually take today and start to yep. craft your future. So the very first uh, principle we're going to talk about is peering into your future. So tell me, as a business coach, as a life coach, how do you help someone peer into their future and see it so clearly that they're like, this is inevitable. I'm going to make this, this is happen. A, this is a fantastic question. So one of the things that I tell people all the time is you cannot talk people into their own future. Mm. You can't do it. Because so many, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm selling a product um, for a company for my own company, helping someone else. And the customer will literally say these words. They'll say, I need you to sell me, make it make sense to me. I want you to sell me. 
And I'm and I I respond to that the same every single time I say, look, I'm not going to talk you into your own future. Because if you can't see that pathway, I can't help you. The question that I ask people so that they can peer into their future is this. What are you trying to do? Mm. If if a salesman does not ask you that question, if they don't say, what are you trying to do? And instead tell you what to do, they're just trying to sell you something. And so you have to understand. So there's so many times I can't, I, I ask myself that all the time when I'm trying to figure out whether it's a small goal or a long goal. Like for instance, we're getting ready to go on a cruise with my infinity club members. And we've got, I think 29 people coming. Even as simple as the activities, uh, interacting with different people and working with people and what cameras we're bringing, what games we're bringing, what content creation things we're bringing. I have to ask myself that every single time. What am I trying to do? I want to be an architect of moments so that people can have those experiences that change the rest of their lives. But they have to be a participant. They have to be a main character in this story. I can't give them their role. So what I say is, what are you trying to do? And, and it's a hard, it's a harder question than I think people realize. Yeah. And so I say, what are you trying to do? And they'll go, oh, I'm just trying to make money. No, 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 no. Let's let's go, let's go deeper than that. Are, are you trying to gain a sense of financial peace? Okay, where are you stretched at right now? Okay, what has that done for you? Where are the tell me about the sleepless nights? Tell me about how hard it is to stay asleep. And if you're asleep and you just wake up because you have to go to the bathroom, you can't get back to sleep because your mind starts racing. Let's let's get rid of those nights. What are you trying to do? You're not trying to make money. You're trying to sleep through the night. You're trying to have your spouse look at you with a sense of pride. You're trying to ha have a, a, a purpose. So I always ask people, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? I want to tell my story. What are you trying to do? I want to be a great father. And a great father is more hands-on. A great father is present, but a great father also provides. And in so many ways, those things are counterintuitive because like if I'm here, like the, the famous TD, TD Jakes thing that's gone around, if I'm always here, I can't make the money. But if I'm making the money, I can't always be here. I, what, what am I supposed to do? Hmm. And so you have to ask, what are you trying to do right now? And then you start unpacking those things. And you, you, you have to help people figure out where are we going? Because a lot of people just stay super vague. I just want money. No, you don't. Money is a tool. Never, you, We don't work for money. Money works for us. And that's the biggest thing. One of the things I tell people, I don't care how much money you give me or my business, it goes through this lens. You get access, so you can have access to me or the product or my company in some capacity. You get priority, and then you get a service. Access, priority, service. Nowhere in there does it say, hey, I gave you or you gave me a bunch of money so you can call me at four o'clock in the morning super mad. You can speak to me demeaning. We have to have a self-respect for ourselves when we're talking to people, when we're trying to help people see their future. But so many people are going to see their future through your future. Like, for instance, this is a great example. I was talking to Brigham about this when I was recently in Salt Lake. He is a wonderful father, like an, a wonderful father. He has four kiddos and watching him talk about his kids. I have one. I have one kid and I cannot fathom what it's like to have four. Like 
you're a superhero, bro. Like watching <laughs> your future literally helps me craft mine. And this is where a lot of people start attacking comparative reality. I think it's a double-edged sword. Comparative reality is bad if you feel it as judgment or demeaning. But comparative reality is great if I'm looking at a father of four when I'm a father of one and I'm saying, I respect this man. I want to see what am I trying to do? Because you're going to help me shortcut that. And that's why how only shows up in two places. You hire someone who's been there before or you went there. But don't try to figure out the how before because you're going to have COVID-42 show up. You're going to have a, a debt crisis happen. You're going to have a death in the family. You're going to have all these different things happen and it changes your how. How only shows up if you have someone who can give you a good blueprint because they've done it and they've been there before or you did it. But we spend so much of our time before we even take a step into our future figuring out how we're going to get there. And I love, if you look at the word how, it is the tyranny of the mind. Tyranny stands for oppressive government. The more often that you stay in how, the more often you're going to put yourself in change and you're not going to take that step into your future. So the other thing that needs to happen is when you ask someone, what are you trying to do? Most importantly, yourself, most importantly, when you look in the mirror, when you say, what are you trying to do? Be honest and dream, dream big. Don't, don't be scared to say whatever it is on your heart. Don't and like, I'll tell you right now, I want to make a bigger impact than Tony Robbins. Why would you say that? That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. Look, I'm just dreaming. Let me dream. Let me dream. I want to make a bigger impact. I don't want to be better than I want to make a bigger impact. Mm. If I do awesome. If I don't awesome, but that's, that's one of my lighthouses. That's one of my guideposts. And I focus on impact. What kind of impact and how can I equip people? Not how much money I'm making. Mm. Money is just a tool and money is changing every day with the things that are happening. So there's my idea of peer into the future. I love this. And one of the other things that I, I want to think about with this, with peering into the future, is sometimes it feels like we have blinders on. I know mm -hmm. as a coach, one of the, the things that you do is help remove blinders to let people actually step into their own future and who they're becoming. Yeah. And I, one of the things you did for me uh, in one of our first sessions was you said, you're already amazing. The person you're trying to be is a facade. So- how do you help people remove those blinders? Because you did it for me in a lot of ways. How yeah. do you the biggest thing is, is really help people understand the term that we're dealing with. What I, and, and what I mean by that is a lot of people, um, when you get the, the, the seven step plan, like, sure, I've got seven steps of success, but three of them only, the, the, only three of them might work for you. Right. And then the other four might work for someone else, or maybe only one works for someone, or maybe none works for someone. We're all different. And so one of the biggest things is some people need a term of what am I going to do today? Some people even need, what am I going to do for this hour? Like, what am I going to do for the next hour? Just so I can get any momentum. But other people are very disciplined already. And what they need is, what am I going to do this quarter? Three months. 
maybe they're they're really ingrained and they've got a family and and what i say is you've got like the when you have a small life that basically means not as many responsibilities so maybe you don't own a house yet you don't have a dog uh you don't ha even have a significant other you have a very small life which means you're a speedboat you can change directions you can do whatever you want well people like myself and brigham we've got a wife We've got a family, we've got kiddos, we've got responsibilities. So we're a little bit more like oil tankers. So when <laughs> we want to change, we're like, okay, uh, it's hard. I don't, and then the problem is, is if you find yourself going the wrong way, you're like, uh-oh, got to go back. And then it's hard to change the momentum of the oil tanker. I love that. And so the big thing is you gotta you got to understand the size of your life. So how fast can you make decisions? And then you've got to understand the 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 timing, the term. Mm. Are have you been messing up so much that you don't even brush your teeth? If you don't even brush your teeth, let's start there. I wake up, I brush my teeth. I go to bed, I brush my teeth. Okay, cool. We're gonna change that habit because I'm telling you guys right now, if you can't brush your teeth, you can't close six figure sales. That's just the way it goes, guys. And then we're gonna move it up like to maybe your health, working out, reading, whatever it is, but we got to install some great habits. But if there's problems, if there's fires we've got to put out, okay, cool, let's figure it out. But we've got to have an object, a, objective way of looking at things so that we go, okay, cool, this is what I'm going to focus on. This is how I'm going to attack it. And then we peer into the future based on action, the doing portion. And if we peer into the future and we don't know how we're going to do, take the action, that means we got to go back to the, who do I need to become to be able to take these actions? Love that. And I thought that was a great transition to this next section, unpack to unleash. This so was good. actually an idea that we came up with last time we were on a podcast together. Yep. So and good. One that I feel like was an epiphany that yeah. often we get stuck in in putting all these these obstructions in our own backpack that are ill-equipping us for our future. And we might not oh, even yeah. notice that they're there. So help us understand how we can unpack to unleash our potential. So the biggest thing that you have to answer is why does it mean so much? So a lot of people are pack rats. A lot of people are going to say that we're a we're not even pack rats. We're not even putting it in a in a, a backpack to where it gets heavy. We've created our own trash compactor, so we are we are just shoving stuff down. And then what happens is we have so much emotional energy mm. and so much so much angst that when our significant other or our friend or our mom or a family member. Cause they always, they always know how to push our buttons better than anybody else. Let's be honest. They push the button and all the trash comes out. And then your mom's like, what? I, I literally just said, how come you don't call me? And then I get all of this. So part of it is when you pack things down, you gotta, you gotta be able to let it go, let it go. You, you have to understand that not everything needs to get held onto. Mm. And you, you have to ask yourself, okay, why does this mean so much to me? Why, why am I making it mean so much? And when we make something like that mean so much, we hang on to it. And then we give it more and more meaning. We turn into like that golem guy from freaking Lord of the Rings saying, my precious. And it's literally just all of the crap in your life. You have to unpack it and then wonder, ask yourself, okay, what, 
have I not dealt with? And and why does it mean so much? Can I really let this go? And, you know, <clears throat> I get a lot of flack about this, but I completely, one, one of my good friends, Rob Bailey, uh, started Flag North Fail. Um, he's the husband of Dana Lynn Bailey, uh, a, a famous bodybuilder. And he actually brought this up to my attention. I just thought it was so good. A lot of people have said that, no, I don't like that. And that's toxic and whatever. Again, this is why I'm saying this is one of my steps. Maybe it doesn't work for you. But he said that if someone wrongs you, if someone wrongs you, what I want you to learn how to do is to forget their name. Okay. Like forget their names to the point where if someone comes up and says, weren't you in business with this person? And you go, who? What, what? Because the thing is, I'm not going to give their story any power. I'm not going to let them in my life anymore. It, it, as far as I'm concerned, I'm like, I'm not going to talk bad about them. I'm not going to talk good about them. I'm literally just clicking the delete button. They cannot hold space in my brain, in my heart, in my soul, because I need to reserve that space in my brain, in my heart, in my soul for the good things. So the bad things like literally delete it. And so the thing is, is if you can't get to that point, ask yourself why. Are you thinking you need vengeance? Are you thinking, oh, you're going to show them uh, massive success is the best revenge? No one should ever want revenge. Revenge is not a healthy emotion. No. Vengeance, not a healthy emotion. Just literally forget their name and go live your life. You're giving that part too much power. But what we tend to do is we pack it into our pack and we make it mean something that it really doesn't mean. And I mean, I'll bet you a ton of us have, you know, old relationships in high school that we still haven't dealt with, that we still very much, their names tattooed on our heart, and it's still messing up new relationships in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. You've got to let it go, let it go. I'm just telling you, we've got to get this stuff done and then unpacking who you are, why you are. Like, for instance, I'll give you a great example. I wondered for a really long time, why do I always want limited edition things? Hmm. I look it's something happens to me it doesn't matter what it is it, i don't really wear a lot of say beanies someone tries to sell me a beanie no nah, i don't want it it's limited edition how much like i don't know what it does why <laughs> but i figured it out it's because i grew up incredibly poor i never had anything limited edition and i always felt like i was one of the throwaway kids i was made fun of because i was i was a singer i was in choir um, I'm, I'm made fun of, I'm, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a very interesting home life. We'll just say that we don't need to unpack that one on the call, sure. but I have unpacked it to where I can understand why I am the way I am. And then what do I need to adjust to show up better? And so I had to go, well, do I need this limited edition stuff? No, no, I don't because I'm limited edition. Brigham's limited edition. Every single person, think about this, is limited edition. You had a one in, and this, look up the statistics on this. For you to exist, the way that all your subsequent ancestors and for you to, the 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 right sperm and the right egg at the right moment, it's a one in 400 trillion chance that you exist. Hmm. A one in 400 trillion, we're all limited edition. So I don't need anything to validate that I'm limited edition. I don't, I needed to let go the fact that I didn't understand that 
we were really poor. But here's the thing. My mom always told me, she said, look, I'm never going to let you go to bed hungry. And I'm never going to let you go to bed not feeling loved. And she's never broken that promise. Even as a 38-year-old man, if I even kind of say that I'm hungry and I'm getting ready to go to bed, if she's over here for Christmas, she will get in the kitchen and, and make me way more food than I need because that's who my mom is. But those are the real cherished things in our life. And so I had to un unpack what high school did to me, what the bullying did to me, what the, you know, I was one of those kids that we got one pair of shoes, one pair of jeans, and uh, and I got three shirts and one winter coat for the entire school year. That's that's who we that's who we were. And and I remember my mom saved up two for two years, two years. She saved up to get a Nintendo 64. And then I traded my Nintendo 64 for jeans, for the new jeans. Now, don't get me wrong. We won't get into the story, but she definitely went over to that house and got that Nintendo 64 back. But that's how much this social economic and the bullying and the status messed with me. And then I just had to decide, okay, what, what is, if I'm unpacking why I am that, what actually matters to me? Because one of the things that we have to do is once we realize, or sorry, once we recognize something, you have to realize and you have to go, okay, cool. What do I replace it with? If you delete something out of your life, a habit, a bad habit, you have to replace it with something. Otherwise it's going to come back. So I had to say, okay, if this is where I got my status and I would buy this limited edition microphones, limited edition studio stuff, limited edition cars, whatever it was, if it's limited edition, I was into it. If I want to get that out of my, my life, what am I replacing it with? And it was, I I need to go the extra final percent on my family. That's the only status I actually need is someone to say, dang, Greg, you're a great father. That's way cooler than any microphone. Yeah. Dang, Greg, man, like, like you, you're one of the best husbands I've ever seen. That's all I need. That's my status. And it's through action, not acquiring. And that's the thing. We have this acquisition syndrome these days to where we're trying to acquire followers. Like they're not human beings. Yeah. We're trying to acquire money, not knowing what we're going to do with it and doing it out of desperate means. I want you to make money as a byproduct of solving a problem and equipping someone to be better than they were yesterday. And if you can show up with that energy, you're going to have more money than you know what to do with. I love that. One of the things that that reminds me of is we've, we've talked about this before as a couple months ago, but this idea that we don't want followers. We want to create leaders. Yes. When, you, when you're yes. thinking I'm going to equip leaders, I, I don't care how many people are following me. I really don't. Yeah. What I care about is, am I helping them become the leader that is inside them? Exactly, buddy. Exactly. And that's, and that's the thing is, you know, we live in a world where we are supposed to counsel and console. Mm. And I don't like that. You know, if, if, if I ever, if I ever see you make a misstep, man, I'm not going to counsel you and say, Hey, what? Like, like, it's okay, buddy. We we're like, we're only human. No, I'm going to be like, Brigham, this is below your standards. Like, I'm your friend. Stop it. That's, and I would yeah. expect you to do the same for me. But right. then what happens? People are like, oh, you can't talk to me that way. But why are we friends then? Like, I, I can't talk to a stranger that way. But you, yes, I can. I, I, I hold you to a specific standard. Mm. And I want you to succeed. And that's the biggest thing that we're missing is you want to 
always be in the mode where you're equipping. You want to equip people. And very rarely do we need to really console people. Now there's 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 extenuating circumstances, the death, death in the family, super ill, heartbreak. Okay, I totally understand that. But like I'm never if you ever come to me and say, man, my business just isn't working and like sales are down and I just don't know what to do. Like I am the wrong person to call. I will not console you. I will give you a swift kick in the behind and I'll equip you with a bunch of action items that I'm going to want you to go into the world and do because that's what's going on here. And so that's the biggest thing is we don't need any more consoling and, and counseling. We need equipping and we need action and then we need to go do it together. And we have this compounding result called, community if we're working together. I love it. Now, this actually works perfectly into our next uh, part of purple, which is mm -hmm. R for reframe mm -hmm. and reassociate. Now, if, yeah. if we really dive into reframing and reassociation, it, it comes down to whatever association we have with with any of our goals, with with as we're peering into our future, is it actually a story that's serving us? How do you take what you you've had and say, actually, what if it was like this? I'm going to give you a quick example that mm -hmm. uh, was my first real experience with re reassociation. This is by a guy that wrote uh, the book, Teach Like a Pirate. And his kid, he, he gave him a few uh, nickels to go put in those little plastic, uh, to get some little treasures. You know, you put the two quarters in and you twist it and you get the little pop uh pop thing i don't know what you call those little plastic things but he, he pulled it out and then when he opened this his his son got a little ring that had like a pink heart on it and immediately this this guy's like pirate treasure and the kid's like pirate treasure and he was super <laughs> happy he turned something that could have been devastating to this little boy into something amazing and I want to hear how you go and create reframes and reassociations for our success. Uh, so I think so. the greatest mentor in my life, which is my two-year-old son, um, actually personifies this perfectly. Um, when we first, when, when, because <laughs> it's so funny, when, especially when you have your first kid, you, you think you know what's going to happen and you're <laughs> wrong. You're wrong. And you could probably attest that you're probably wrong all four times. There are different kids. Um, so it was funny because I was talking to some of my 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 other dad friends, and they they kept saying, like, you know, just just wait till the sleepless nights come. Just wait till the this comes. Just wait till the dirty diapers come. Just wait till you step on a dirty diaper in the middle of the night. Just wait till he pees in your face. Like all these things is just just wait till. And uh so Kayla and I get into uh, like he he's here and we get in about three weeks into it. I have a conversation with one of my guy friends and he goes, so tell me some of your stories. Is it, is it as amazing as, as you thought it would be? And I go, dude, it's way better. It's a, I'm, I'm having literally the time of my life. And he's like, was your wife changing all the diapers? I go, no. Okay. Is you, your, your wife's doing all the, the, the sleep stuff. And I'm, I'm like, no. I'm doing it too. And sometimes we'll let her sleep and, you know, Salo, myself and Conrad would be up here in my office and Salo would play video games. And then 
I would just sleep with Conrad on my my chest, and then basically Salo would play video games to make sure that Conrad didn't fall off and do something. So he was ba- actually Salo was basically babysitting me and Conrad because <laughs> uh, I was so sleep deprived. But I'm talking to him, and they're like, "How are you so happy? How are you so happy? I don't get it." Like my first few weeks, my first few months into into this dad thing, I was going what what did I get myself into and I said look when we decided to have a kid uh we got pregnant about I think it was two or three months after we started trying and I can remember the pure joy in my heart like it was it was an indescribable feeling knowing that there was a life growing inside of Kayla I just I was like they're in there like they're growing and i have never missed a doctor's appointment i've been to every single shot i was to every single ultrasound everything and i remember walking or uh, going into it's a, a clinic right down and uh lori was our nurse and she says okay we have to have a, a really hard conversation and i went what what that doesn't sound good. And she's like, it's not good. Um, we're not finding a heartbeat. And I went, what do you like? Where, where is it? Like, where'd it go? Like, what do you mean? You're not. And they said, your baby's, your baby's dead. Like there's, there's no heartbeat. Um, you're going to miscarriage this baby. And I would not like literally, my if I had if I was if I was back in the the medieval times and I had like the a mortal enemy somewhere I would not wish this pain on this person. Um, I remember going through the miscarriage. I remember watching Kayla just cry in agony and and be so sad. Um, I was sad and we we quit work for the next like three days. Um, and then just ate ice cream the whole time. And. Uh, it was the hardest thing that we'd ever gone through to that moment together. Cause it was just crushing. And then for three years, we kept trying and we couldn't get pregnant for three years to the, where we're like, what happened? Like, how, how are we like, why? And when we finally got pregnant again, it was so bittersweet because I couldn't trust anything. Every time the doctor was saying, it's, it's, uh, everything's looking great. Strong heartbeat. And I was thinking, I'll believe it when I see the baby. I'll believe it in nine months. I'll believe it in eight months. I'll believe it in six months. And then in the middle of it, they said, we've got some bad news. And I'm like, not again, I can't go through this again. And, uh, they hand me this pamphlet and they said, we've detected amniotic bands in the uterus. And for anyone who doesn't know what amniotic bands are, amniotic bands are basically the uterus wall comes out and there's strands that can wrap around the fetus, wrap around the baby. If one of these bands goes into where the brain's forming, your baby is dead instantly. So it's it's basically a death sentence or at best case scenario, at best case scenario, your baby doesn't have a fully formed arm or a fully formed leg or one of the bands goes through the stomach and it grows around it and they have to separate it at birth. Like it's all bad. And they told us this right before July uh, 4th. 
and all of the clinics were closed and they said they couldn't help us and because they said you have to go see a specialist with a, a higher power um ultrasound and uh we went through this and i found i just prayed like honestly i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and we would round robin there's like i think there's 11 or 13 clinics we'd round robin. i would literally just call them on repeat non-stop like it took me about 45 minutes to get through all of them and mm-hmm. i would non-stop call them to try to get a, a a meeting they're like by like the fifth hour you know and the fifth or sixth time i'd called one they're like didn't you, like are you just calling repeatedly and i was like yes and i will until we get an appointment and so we finally got in in a, a a clinic that was like an hour and a half away from us they take us in and this was two days after we had gotten this diagnosis and they said we don't actually think it is a amniotic band we think it's what's called a synechiae which is scar tissue between the uterine wall because on that first uh on that first miscarriage my wife had to get a dnc um, which means they come and scrape everything and they said there was probably damage. The uterus collapses. And then when it expands again, there's a little piece of skin. I am not convinced that that actually was the case because I prayed and I think God turned it into that. And no one can tell me anything different. God answered my prayer. And they said that basically Conrad inside of there just has like a little shelf. And he's just going to be hanging out on a little shelf and it's not going to affect his development at all. And when I saw my baby and it was just such a, a mind blowing experience because I'd prayed for over four years. Um, I'd gone through heartache. I'd gone through disbelief. I'd gone through prayer. And now he's here. I prayed for a baby. I prayed for a healthy baby. I prayed for this. Babies come with diapers. Babies come with sleepless nights. So for me to pray for the baby and not be excited about the sleepless nights and not be excited about the dirty diaper and not be excited about the pee to the face, I'm, I'm I, you can't have a half prayer. And people are doing the same thing with business is they're praying for the money, but they don't want the responsibility. Mm. They're praying for the status, but they don't want the work. They don't have the work ethic. They just want a result. It's it's not easy. And so when we're going through this idea of reframing, what my wife says, and I mean, she says it like, obviously I'm long-winded. So, you know, she says it in the most succinct way possible. And I love what she says. She says, part of the deal. If you wanted a baby, you are going to have dirty diapers. You are going to not understand what your little drunken gnome is saying half the time because they're very mad and happy all at the same time. But the thing is, is you are, you're going to have a business when, when you pray for that person to walk into your life that you you've been praying for your whole life, your, your husband, your, your spouse, your, your, your best friend, whatever relationship you pray for, that means that you're going to have to have hard conversations because those kinds of relationships are forged in the fire. It's part of the deal. And so it's not so much reframing. It's expanding your scope to 
understand what you're actually asking for. If you want to be the leader, that means you're going to own the good and the bad. If you want the money, you're going to have responsibility. If you want the knowledge, you're going to have to pay for the proximity. You're going to have to pay in time to hone your craft. You're going to have to be better so that you can do better. You can't just have the have portion. And so that's the biggest reframe that I can give people is ask yourself, look, is it part of the deal? I have a, I have a almost 11,000 square foot house that has three acres of lawn. <laughs> Do I want to cut my grass? Do I want to pay a landscaper to cut my grass? No, but it's part of the deal. If I want to live here, it's part of the deal. If the furnace goes out, I got to replace that. If I want heat, it's part of the deal. So reframe it to where you say, hey, look, if I want this, it comes with this. And that's not good or bad. It's just is. Yeah. So you don't have to spend a lot of time reframing if you understand what you're actually asking for. It kind of goes back to the genie with the three wishes. Before you make those wishes, really pay attention to all the other circumstances that are going to come with that wish coming true. Yeah. And maybe just maybe the reason your dream isn't coming true is because you're unwilling to deal with all of the stuff it comes with. That's awesome. You know, that, that just reminded me of my own experience. This very recently, I just barely had a baby <laughs> two months ago. We have the same guys. You, you need to know this. This is something cool about Greg and I, our boys have the exact same birthday. Okay. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, I, I got this news that he was coming a month early, uh, while I was at an event and I rushed to the hospital and there was this fear that came because he was fine, but my wife wasn't. And she had something called preeclampsia, which is extremely high blood pressure. And that can, that can send you into a stroke and actually you, you can die from it. She was hours away from having that happen, unknowing that that was the case. She didn't feel good. So she went went to the hospital she called she's like we are having this baby now so i said yes ma'am and i got up and i went <laughs> nothing part else of the matters deal. more <laughs> this is part of the deal so I, <laughs> I went there and um we had an emergency c-section and she was okay and the relief that came from from having that that challenge it made that that moment of holding my son for the first time so much more special. And what was cool about this one, guys, um, we didn't find out the gender until the day of. And so good. holding my son for the first time, it just it just changes you. You you can't like I, I can't explain this in words, but the gratitude is part of the deal. The yeah. challenges, it's like a pendulum. The more challenging that you have your life. And the more difficult and, and horrible at times it feels, you can also have the other side with that much joy. Oh, Your yeah. capacity for love and joy and, and that life experience is in direct proportion to how big your capacity for pain and suffering is. Amen. That's so true. I, I, I 100% man. Absolutely. Beautiful. Now, one of the things that we're going to, to play with now is this idea that even when we are in the midst of difficulty and trial and pain, having a positive perspective, this, mm -hmm. is, this is going deep and this takes discipline to have a positive perspective. This is not something that you just are born with. 
I think most of us, it's very easily uh, easy to be negative, but yeah. it, it takes a skill set that is developable, right? We can all do this, but how, Greg, have you been able to develop this positive perspective on life? You know, understanding the psychology behind confirmation bias, I think, is central around this and paramount in the idea of positive thinking. So the same way when you doubt something, oh, man, there's no way I can do that. You are going to be predisposed to identifying everything that supports that argument. Yeah. So we need to understand that our brain does not want to, it never wants to make us a liar. So it confirmation bias can actually develop into what's called a scotoma. So a scotoma is like a mental blind spot. But here's the thing. Most people only talk about the negative side of things. I'm never going to be able to do that. So doubt becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you confirm why it's never going to happen. Mm. Here's the thing. This self-fulfilling prophecy, this confirmation bias works on positive too. So if you say, man, I really think I'm going to make $10,000 today. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're a year out of making 10 grand in one day. However, if you have that, that idea of thinking, you're going to notice everything that could potentially make you 10 grand that day. You are going to, to, to grab all of the information around you to make that a possibility. So you have to be aware of where your brain is pulling you and being willing to say, hey, I believe I'm here for a purpose. I believe that I can make a difference. I believe that I can make $10,000, $20,000, $100,000 in a single day. You're going to start recognizing opportunities that have always been there. And it's a little bit like the red car scenario. Yeah. So it's it's really easy to ask people and say, hey, how many red cars did you see uh, this morning on your way to the gym? I don't know, maybe six. I'm like, okay, did you actually see six? I, I don't know. Here's the problem. If I would say, okay, tomorrow when you wake up between your house and when you get to the gym, I'll give you $100 for every red car you see. Oh boy, now you can see some red cars. Your brain's doing that with positive and negative thoughts. I'm never going to make it. Okay, let me find everything that helps you understand that you're not going to make it. Hey, I am going to be someone who makes a bigger impact than Tony Robbins. I'm going to start finding every opportunity and every avenue and everything that's going to help me do that. Mm. And so I'm not in a competition with Tony Robbins. I've done all of his training and I loved Tony Robbins. But why not set my goal super high? This guy has a personal growth company that generates $800 million. That's a good person to model. This makes sense to me. He's made a huge impact. And so I want to find all of those opportunities and things that can happen to me to help me move forward in the positive side. You are an architect of your moments. And those moments that you live, that you participate in, that you take action on are going to create your future. So if you are participating in negative talk, if you are participating in negative actions, in gossip, in what Zig Ziglar calls stinking thinking, if mm. you're going to be participating in that, where do you think it's going to lead you? Come on. But if you participate in the positive, and let's, and let's say like, how can I stay positive? How can I stay positive after that first miscarriage? Well, 
I'm just never going to try again. I don't know if that's the way God drew it up. I don't know. I, like, But it's up to me. I have to take the action. And so most people are adrift. And in the book, Outwitting the Devil, I think everybody should read it. But in the book, Outwitting the Devil, most people are just drifting. And you're waiting for the epiphany. And you're waiting for someone to come tell you the meaning of life, the purpose. You're waiting for Ed McMahon at your door. You're waiting for the, the published clearinghouse thing, the winning the lottery. You are your own lottery ticket. You are. You've already won, and you just need to take action. And here's the thing. It's, it's the way habits work, and people need to hear this. The way habits work, it is absolutely going to be harder to start tomorrow than it will today. I mean, right now, make a decision that your life is different. Make a decision that and decide. Decide means to cut off. This is no longer an option. You are going to be successful. Because tomorrow, the habit of negative thinking is even more ingrained. The way habits work is tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is always today. And one of these todays, you're going to have to make a decision. And when you decide to be positive, when you decide to unsubscribe from the BS, when you decide to make a difference in your own life, take action to learn, to get into the proximity of other people, you're going to watch everything change but it takes a decision not a declaration the new year's resolutions are complete crap just so you know just so you know it's like not like i think the 14th or the 16th is national quitting day so most people their resolutions don't last more than two weeks but everything of value that you have in your life is older than a year yeah the the value that you have with your wife how, how long have you been married 13 years 13 years so that very first year Versus year 13, there's an literally exponential amount more of value and love and experience. Yeah. Well, all the people out there who say, I'm going to have a marriage like Brigham this year. I just haven't found my person yet. It's impossible. 13 years, not even found your person and you have one year. It's just not going to happen. And that's where the comparative reality starts messing people up. But use Brigham as a, a, a guidepost, hmm. as a North Star, and just reach out to him and ask him, say, hey, how did you do? You guys have probably dealt with something like this. I'm trying to figure this out. But use, don't be scared of comparative reality in the positive sense. But when you feel judged or you, I remember the first time that like I heard, you know, there is a billionaires that are younger than I am and they're popping up out of crypto and all these things. You know, there was part of me for a little bit that felt like a failure. Right when that enters, you are in the wrong side of thinking. You cannot use comparative reality to shame yourself. Use comparative reality to go, okay, cool. Maybe I can do that. Do I love crypto? No? Okay, cool. That's not the path for me. I'm going to go over here. So identify if shame is present in the comparative reality. If it is, you are on the negative side. But if respect and and adoration and 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 inspiration and aspiration are present that comparative reality is okay like i have a comparative reality to tony robbins dude i love that guy i'm not mad that he makes 800 million dollars man get to a billy do it make an extra 200 million i want to see you in the three comma club and i'll clap when he wins even though he doesn't know me 
kind of knows me in a roundabout way, but he, it's not like we're homies and hang out all the time. That's the biggest thing is I want to, I want to clap when everyone wins. And so just don't let shame either projected or towards yourself be present in your life. And you're going to live a much happier life. That, that reminds me of my very first experience learning Mandarin. I had 12 weeks where I, I was like, in this time frame, I need to uh, get proficient enough that I can communicate in Taiwan with people. Not gonna, Guys, 12 weeks is not a lot of time, <laughs> but I saw a lot of these other missionaries really progressing very quickly. And I got into that comparative reality for the first couple of weeks and it spiraled me into a depression. And I had this breakdown moment where I just put my head on my keyboard and I was praying, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. I know this is the right path. You called me to be here. Yeah. I'm having a tough time. And he said, basically, stop comparing yourself to anybody else but yourself. Yeah. that's the way You can is, compare man. yourself to yesterday. Am I better than yesterday? Yeah. Even if by one word, I can speak one word more. You're yeah. making progress. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. Okay. Here a little, there a little. I know that Heavenly Father loves us enough to say, you don't have to be the same as anybody else. You are that... What four hundred trillion? What? How do I remember the exact? Number? One in four hundred trillion. One in four hundred trillion. You are that limited edition. So we're going to go on to this next section, which I think is awesome. It's link onto your future. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, guys, is there are so many people that they see their future, but there's not a connection uh, that is in place and linking onto it, and being willing to do the hard things. Sometimes forging those links to your future are extremely challenging, but we have to become, it's not just do. Mm -hmm. So it's in the forging of those links to our future that we make that progress. So Greg, how have you helped people and yourself forge links onto their future? You know, it's really, it really comes down to community. Because, you know, in my infinity model, you're either working in your personal, in your business, your vitality, but your community is is going to really dictate everything from the kind of business you even think you're capable of slash can do. Yeah, um, It's going to dictate your values and it's going to dictate self-worth. It's going to dictate that personal mindset. And then it's going to dictate a lot of your your health habits. Mm. It's going to dictate, you know, do you go out to the bars all the time or do you, you know, eat 18 pints of ice cream? Do you, do you not work out? I mean, you know, Brigham's over here just crushing pickleball <laughs> and it's like link up with him. If you want to get healthier, link up with him to say, Hey, how can we play pickleball together? Um, you have to, you have to be forged in the fire at some point. And it's always going to be hard at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I remember the first time I was like, you know, if, if no one knows my story, you know, I, I used to be extraordinarily fat and, um, and, you know, people soften it and they try to say obese. No, I was fat. I, like I was, I was definitely fat. There was way too much jiggle when I was walking. It's just not okay. And I remember going, okay, I've got to, I've got to change. And my first workout, I mean, I was sore for like a week to the point where I just didn't even want to work out. And I had to forge myself into the fire because I had to have discipline. I had to keep going. I had to keep showing up. Um, and wherever the problems are showing up in your life, whether it's your business, the first day is going to be hard. If it's your marriage, your first day is going to be hard. 
if it's your friendships, your maybe something's going on in your family, the first conversation is going to be hard. But are you willing to have it? And a lot of people, and this is important, going back to why does it mean so much, a lot of people don't want to have the conversation when it comes to interpersonal relationships because it doesn't actually mean the amount of stink they have thrown about it. And they're not actually willing to have the conversation because they themselves know I might've turned this molehill into a mountain. So then they never have the conversation because they're essentially admitting that they were wrong. We got to have those conversations as fast as possible. Say sorry as fast as possible. Say I love you as fast as possible. Connect as fast as possible. But if you need help in your health, you got to make some changes, not tomorrow, today. And it starts up here, not in, not actually in the gym. It starts up here to, to, to go to the fridge and go, hey, maybe I'm not going to eat six donuts. I love don donuts and ice cream were like my thing. We cannot have them in the house. As disciplined as I am, if there's ice cream in that fridge, it's getting eaten. If there's donuts in the house, they are going to get eaten. So I can't have them in the house. So you've got to make the decision to, to get better. If you, like, for instance, I wanted to be a speaker. So I went and got certified at every single place I possibly could. I got on as many stages as I could. And I just, I just kept refining my craft as often as I could. And it's paid huge dividends, not necessarily like certainly yes in the monetary sense, but much more in the relationship sense, because I can make a hundred friends at one time instead of one friend. And it's just, it's so powerful being able to speak from stage, um, you know, getting your business in order, having friends. I'll tell you, the community you keep is the most important thing. And there are some people that are going to listen to this and you know that you are literally one positive friend away from an entirely different life. But that one positive friend probably needs to replace that one negative friend that you're always picking up from the bar, that you're always lending money to, that you're that they're always talking bad about you behind the, your back, that they're always, you know, showing up drunk at your house or needing to crash on the couch. All of these, that person needs to leave your life and you have to get more territorial with who gets your time and attention. So to link onto your future, that means you're going to have to do something different. Because if you do not link onto your future, specifically in personal, in business, in vitality, and your community, if you don't link onto those four pillars that are going to change your life, your future is going to look like exactly what's happening right now. Mm. But you got, you got to grab on to the train. And it's going to be hard but you got to do it. And then don't let go. See, now Wait. we're to don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, uh, that reminded me of when I was in Cancun with you uh, earlier this year, we went on a ropes course guys. And what, what's cool about this is for you to go up to the next level. You actually had two different, uh, I, I want to call them these, these clips, right? You have to unclip one to move up to the next level. And then you disconnect and then you can put it on again at times we have relationships like that if we're going to get to our future we have to untether from one of those bad okay. relationships and tether on to the right relationships 
that's where the progression is. And honestly, sometimes it is scary to say, you know what, I'm going to limit my my time and energy with with a, someone that you've been with for a long time. If yeah. they're if they're pulling you back, you might have to disconnect for a time so yeah. that you can keep growing and go to that next level and and yeah. get on the tires and whatever it is that helps you make this road of life worthwhile. Any exactly. other thoughts on that before we move on? No, I think I think that that's perfect. And and learning to to be able to, you know, let toxic people go and 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 being able to set boundaries, I think is really, really important. I love that. Now, this last point that we're gonna make to really just take purple, this idea, and and give it to you is embody your best self. It's one thing to think about uh becoming your best self, but to embody and to embrace your best self. Greg, how how have you helped people do that? How have you been able to to strip away the uh, the negativity and be able to become who you are today? I'd say the first thing would be allow yourself to be held accountable. Yeah. Um, one one of the things you know, I grew up as a musician, and even though you know, I I very devout Christian, I love Jesus the environment that I grew up in and the musicians that I hung out with, I, on a scale from one to 10, I probably had like a, an eight on the bad language in my mouth. And it's something that I, you know, I'm still working on to this day. Every now and then the F-bomb will slip out and, and stuff. But what I've done is everyone around me from Kayla to my clients and, uh, um, uh, uh, I've got a, a specific client that I, so I tell them, I'm like, look, I'm really trying to work on my language. If one slips out, I need you to call me on it immediately. So don't, don't be scared to let your people coach you as well. Um, but allow yourself to be held accountable. And he, every time I say, he's like, ah, mm, and I'm like, you got me. And something that I I've been working, I'm so much better than I've been in a long time, but I had to allow myself to be held accountable. But if I say something along the lines of, oh, I'm the coach. Don't talk to me that way. Like I'm no, we're, we're all here to support everyone's success. And if that's something I'm trying to accomplish, help me do it. I don't, I don't want that. So if you have your friend that's trying to, you know, maybe lose some weight, don't offer them a donut. Don't, don't try to break their, their habit. If, if they're, uh, if they finally get into a groove in the gym, don't be like, Oh, don't have time for us anymore. Cause you're a gym rat when they only go an hour a day. It's like, come on, don't, don't demean your friends when they're trying to make themselves better. You need to get around people who are like, dude, you're going to the gym again. Freaking epic. What's your streak at? Are you're like five or six times in a row now? Dude, that's awesome. You're inspiring. Those are the friends that you need. You need people to help hold you accountable, but in a, I'm going to clap while I watch you win way and embodying your best self. And I know that this is going to be hard for people to hear, but it really has so much more to do with your environment than it does just you. Like you can have all the mental fortitude you want, but if you have got someone who is demeaning you, that is close to you, your chances are are less than 1%. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to get brought down. And the way that I'll help you understand this is 
a plane, when it's running at full power, if it is flying at what's called ground speed, so let's say 500 miles an hour, and it's down here, to if its top speed is 500 miles an hour, its engines are operating at 100% capacity. So a lot of people would be like, okay, that's that's what it is. It is what it is. However, why planes fly so high is they get into the jet stream. What they're doing is they're, they're controlling their environment. They get into the jet stream and they try to find tailwinds wherever possible. So now to fly that same 500 miles an hour, they're using their engines at 60% capacity. They're using less fuel. It's, it's, it's not nearly as hard to run at its top speed. Mm. Humans are the same way. So if you want to change your, your finances, if you want to change your business, if you want to change your health, if you want to change your mental, you have to control your environment. Mm. So we have to remember, just like what you eat, if you eat a ton of donuts, you're going to get fat. It is what it is. But if you watch a bunch of Netflix, you're going to get fat in the brain. If you listen to a bunch of crap news and talk radio and drama, you're going to get fat in the brain. What you put in your eyes and your ears is just as important as what you put in your mouth. You got to you got to be mindful of all of those things. You have to control your environment. Mm. And so you've got to make cuz it's kind of like the military says, uh, uh slow is smooth and smooth is fast. We want to like a lot of people are feeling chaos in their life and they're like i gotta grow i gotta get bigger i gotta get better so therefore you're actively trying to scale chaos what that's crazy let's get rid of the chaos let's get rid of it well it's a baby where, where you have a bunch of chaos babies let's get rid of those and then let's scale but when you have chaos in your heart in your mind and the way that you operate in in the drama in your life when you have all this chaos Stop trying to scale it because that chaos is going to turn into Godzilla. <laughs> the way that you kill Godzilla is when Godzilla is a baby. I don't know if y'all have seen Godzilla when he grows up. You, you don't want that monster in your life. So what we want to do is we have to control our environment. Get around communities that are supportive. Get the right knowledge. Get the right mentorship. And then and move. You got to get into proximity of people who are doing what you want to do who can focus on equipping you, give you the relationships that inspire you so that you can actually walk as your best self. You're going to embody that. But the only way to embody that is to get into the right environment. That is that is wisdom talking. I, I, I know a lot of times people are like, ah, I just need more information. But in a, in a world where we are just drowning in information, we are starving for wisdom. And That's that true. right there is wisdom encircle us in the right environment and mm -hmm. we can accomplish so many things we can start to embody that and thank you so Absolutely. much greg for for literally going the final percent with me on this helping of us course. understand purple and multiple facets and i love, I love you bringing the personality we we cried a little bit we we were happy we we're laughing yeah brought, it, brought down the house any final thoughts and where where can everybody online where can they find you and tell us a little bit more uh, how they can keep connecting with you. Well, one thing I'd love for everyone to to join our, uh, it's completely free. It's the Final Percent Network Facebook group. 
Um, I go live every Monday. We've got some of our other coaches going live in there, adding value. No, we don't sell stuff. It's like literally we just want to see very similar to how Brigham and I were talking. Um, it's just a great group of people that are trying to get better than they were yesterday. Um, if you want to know more about The Final Percent, it's super easy. It's just thefinalpercent.com. So go check out our website, and we've got a lot of cool things always going on. We're, like I said, we're getting ready to go on a cruise with a bunch of our members. Um, and then, uh, you know, Instagram is just Greg Kimball. Uh, so G-R-E-G-K-I-M-B-L-E, just uh, come come check me out, engage, say, let, let me, like, send me a, a, a message saying, hey, I watched this podcast with Brigham so that I can follow you back. I would love to really, you know, dive deep. Um, in the words of the the drive system that uh, some of us all know and love, um, I'm a relator. You know, I finally figured out I'm a relator intellect. Um, so I'm all about relationships and going deep. So let's build some relationships. So whoever you are, where wherever works best for you to connect, whether it's our uh, Facebook group, um, whether it's the uh, Instagram, or whether you you do a submission form on our our website and. Uh, you want to uh, see where we can help you? Just uh, just connect with us. You gotta gotta get in proximity. You gotta take action. And and you know if I can be a part of that, I would absolutely love that. Absolutely, guys. Once again, thank you, Greg, for being on. Like and subscribe uh, to this YouTube channel. Really grateful for for you to be on today. And if if you have any other questions, uh, I'm gonna stop the live stream. But all of our live people. You will have about five minutes uh, to to share some of your questions. I'm going to stop live stream, but thanks again. All right, guys, do you have any final questions for Greg? We have like five minutes, and then we're going to let him go. And if you don't have any questions, we're going to let him go right now. <laughs> Let's see. We've got Francis. Thank you, Jody, and Owen, and Teresa, and Catherine. Thanks for being on today with us, and Deborah. And whoever iPhone 82 is, <laughs> I appreciate you guys being on <laughs> today. Well, how, how did you feel like that went? I, I really thought through some of these, these ideas. I'm really grateful you, you came with, with such oh, great was, stories, man. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I'm, I, 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 you know, anything, any chance that I get to really lock in with you, I think we have one of those exponential relationships. So, uh, you know, it's, it's better than the sum of its parts. So if I'm by myself, it's not going to be as good. And if you're by yourself, it's just every time we get together, there's, there's a reason, man. And yeah. I just, I love you. I love what you're about. I love where you're going and and then where we're going as a result of who you are. So um, I think it went great. I, uh, I really appreciate you. And uh, I know that, you know, we've got so much, like, like we said, there's no way, that our kids being born on the exact same day, like that is not by accident. Like God is in this relationship and he wants us to, to, to do some great things together. So, you know, anytime you need me, I'm always there. I told Owen this, but when I shoot my 33rd episode, I dog-eared, nobody can have it except for Greg. Greg has to be I on love the 33rd it. episode. Oh, I'm so in. I'm so in. Yeah. Like if, if it's 33rd, 133rd, 233rd, that's the Greg minimum. I love it. Episode. Okay. I'm, I'm in. Time, I'm in. I'm in. 133rd, so. 233rd. That's the Greg awesome. show. Okay. Awesome. Sounds Keep good, buddy. It. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, if you ever need me, I'm here for you. Absolutely. God bless. Have a great day, All guys. Right. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye.